0: welcome to this podcast I'm Laura Horton
1: and I'm Michael Bentley thank you very much for joining us
0: thank you for joining us everyone it is September 2019 and it's the time of year isn't it where we just say right hold on tight
1: off we go yeah, busy time of year, dentistry, isn't it? September to December. The, oh, the golden months, I, I used to call them in my practice. Here come absolutely. the golden months.
0: Absolutely. It gets crazy busy, doesn't it? And uh, before we know it, it is actually, dare I say the C word, no. <laughs> no. Um. So, yes, yeah, absolutely crazy. Uh, I put a picture on Instagram the other day, chapter nine of 12. I saw it and I thought, oh, I love that chapter nine of 12. That's really good. Obviously, we're not into the final quarter of the year. uh, But for many, you know, they're thinking that actually summer is over. Here we go. Um, I like to be a little bit more optimistic about summer. It definitely doesn't end until October for me. But yeah, everyone's getting revved up prepared and ready for a busy few months in practice so hopefully um you know if you've got any questions in regards to these busier times uh, and management or anything that tends to happen seasonally to you then please do send your questions over and uh, and let us know but we hope everyone's had a fabulous summer and is raring to go basically now we've had a couple of questions this for this month's podcast quite interesting the first one's about smile direct club and um, I've been watching that actually. So that was that was good timing. And then we've had a couple of questions come through about contracts. Also linking into that, a question regarding a locum nurse over the summer, uh, practice manager's got a concern, doesn't want a, re- a repeat of what's happened. She's sure it's not right. What's their advice? That links into contracts. And then we've also had a question about moving hygienists into employment rather than self-employment, which again we'll have to uh, give some advice on contracts. So we'll discuss the hygienist situation, moving on to employment. We'll answer that question and then just give some uh, give some tips on contracts, really. But let's start with Smile Direct Club then. So for those of you that aren't aware smile direct club is a aligner orthodontic system that has been out in the states for a a number of i think a couple of years now and basically it is where patients do their own photos get their own aligners sent to them and straighten their own teeth with these aligners and that's a snapshot summary uh, of it obviously there is much more to it than that and Uh, by all accounts as I understand it they do have uh, doctors as they call them in America dentists who if they've got a concern from photographs they will refer uh, to a local clinician to make sure they're healthy but the question that's come through is um, what do we think of Smile Direct Club and do we think it's going to have an impact particularly in the CVP market over here now if you listen to last month's podcast, you'll definitely know that I love Instagram. So I actually saw an advert for Smile Direct Club the other, uh, the other day. And I thought, well, that's interesting. That's, you know, they're doing the Instagram advertising. And I have to say, I felt from looking at comments that actually they're not really getting a, a positive um, response overall. Um, I mean, I don't know what it's like now. But I think the thing with the British is we are very cynical people, aren't we? So whereas, you know, American um, patients, patients might be a bit more, oh, yes, brilliant. Look at this new technology. It's amazing. We'll all be like, what's the catch? Uh, we're, <laughs> we're quite cynical people. And I think I could definitely see that. And One of the key things really is the price. You know, the price of it is Um, around 1200 1400 pounds 1500 pounds something like that they've got a trademarked smile pay option uh, where people put money down and then it's 200 pounds a month Uh, it also includes free retainers Um, but you know things that they're not doing well with the social media campaign on instagram is they're replying to people with you know American fees so it's a UK advertisement and they're implying replying with American fees um, In dollars, which obviously isn't great and some people have obviously put in negative comments such as oh my gosh, you know that thousand pounds You must be crazy uh, and I think, again, with everything in dentistry, it's all about the people you're attracting through your advertising, your marketing for your brand, and then the price relating appropriately to your brand, isn't it? So the practices that are delivering a lot of BVP orthodontics, I wouldn't at this point necessarily be concerned. It's good to be aware of what's happening and changes in the market that could cause a concern to your business. However, most patients that we treat want the trust from that dentist, they want that relationship. And I think that's something that, you know, you're not gonna get with Smile Direct Club. I also saw on Facebook the other day, not that I go on it often, but I think it was the, um, the British Lingual um, Society, somewhere like that. And they'd put a link up for a ad, um, for a newspaper, online article that had been written Uh, by bloomberg.com and with the title something like a tooth straightening startup runs into resistance and it's saying on there and i don't know how true this is but you know look into all of these things saying on there how um patients have been complaining their teeth are perhaps you know not right and they're being given refunds but within that refund they're having to sign to say they will not disclose any information about being dissatisfied unhappy or that they've had a refund so the company is estimated at a you know, huge amount of money. I don't think it's on the stock market at this point, um, but it's not even profitable with what they're saying in this article that I read. So take that aside. If we talk about patients, what do patients really want to know? And you know Mike and I talk about this all the time. Patients have to know, and your team have to know the unique selling points of your dentists, the unique selling points of your practice and the unique selling points of the treatments that you have. So when patients are perhaps educated about you know aligners and let's face it their first education might be from smile direct club that's my how they first might find out about aligners yeah. and then that prompts them to look online and then they find your website you so you never know they might be doing, doing you a favor <laughs> but they, if they're been calling and inquiring and saying well what are your costs and actually why are your costs double that's you know 1500 pounds why are you three thousand, four thousand for you know Invisalign for example as one of the many systems that are out there why is the price double your team have really got to be able to do a good job on the phone to ensure that the patient gets the right level of perceived value in relation to that price and unique selling points for the treatments are absolutely key unique selling points for the dentist absolutely key yeah. and unique selling points for the pay, uh, practice key so is this is something if you haven't got this nailed in those three sections I mean we go on a, we do you know we do a lot of work with practices Mike mean, we? we actually do the training on these communications to help practices deliver what it is they're actually offering and I think that's the key thing here if you've got a concern from whether it's a practice opening up across the road that does similar things to someone doing well online where you are you know whatever your concern is how great are you right now at delivering your value and
1: your brand message effectively yeah absolutely and i think everything that you've said there is absolutely spot on i think the important thing as well is is that as you said really you also need to know about what's going on as well and what customers are looking at on instagram and things like that and you know the concept's really interesting isn't it that you know you do a very small assessment online, which I have actually done, Laura. Um, okay. And you know, it, it asks you a, a few questions, and, you know, to get you started, which are actually fairly easy. And then it provides you with a couple of solutions, doesn't it? You know, you can go to a small shop uh, and get a 3D image taken, or you can do your own impressions. Well, <laughs> for those of us that are nurses, and it's both exhausting. you and I fall into that equation. Taking an impression is not easy, and you know to think that a patient could present a kit and they can do their own impressions at home in less than 30 minutes, as it says, the quality of those impressions when it's by an untrained person um, is definitely in question, isn't it? And and that I think that questions the results moving forward. And the, and you know the other thing that you know the scanning locations at the moment are london birmingham and manchester so you know that's very specific um and you know patients have got to do a lot of traveling to, to, to go and do that and i think i i think you're right what you've got to do is you've got to concentrate on your unique selling points you've got to concentrate on the fact that actually when when awareness happens in an area that actually we all benefit don't we because patients then start to inquire about it and you just got to make sure that you're aware of it and you actually You know, say the unique selling point of having a dentist do it is that actually they will make sure that, you know, it's underpinned well, that we provide you with, you know, education as part of your aligner treatment, that will monitor your health throughout the whole of your treatment. So you start to look at, you know, the whole factor supporting that smile because, you know, quite frankly, you know, anybody can sign up for this kit and have rampant, you know, periodontal disease um, and start aligners. Mm. Which is frightening um, and that's a bit that will definitely not sit well in our industry that's that's what I think anyway you know yeah. okay actually aligners themselves they're not a difficult treatment are they but um, they have to be you know they're only as good as the prescriber aren't they and, you know, the prescription of the product and the, uh, the extra information that dentists provide is what, you know, allows it to be a, a great product. And as we all know, and I've had experience in aligners, I know you have as well. And actually, most times, the first box of aligners, it never gets the smile that the patient wants. And there needs to be alterations and, you know, and more aligners to be sent to do refinement programs and things like that. Well, that, they're not going to get that with Smile Shop, are they?
0: No, so it's, you know, I would say, don't worry, you know, just carry on doing what you're doing, do great things and sort out unique selling points and, you know, get the team doing a, you know, in a really good position to be able to support any communication they might need to have about any concern that you have that might affect your business. But I think
1: what they are doing well. Sorry, Laurie. What I think they are doing well here is we call this a lot the bubble patient, aren't they? This is very much centered on people's excitement, and I think what they have done well here is they've made it look exciting and easy. And we know that actually moving teeth isn't straightforward, but we, from a patient point of view, we need to make it feel like it's something that is straightforward don't we once you start putting lots of barriers in the way people lose interest don't they mm-hmm. and you and you you burst their bubble so it's about managing the the excitement and maintaining excitement alongside doing the work that's necessary and I think that's what's really important because some dentists go so clinical um, and and they start bombarding patients with a lot of information and actually we do need to make it feel exciting don't we and things like you know scanners and taking great photographs and showing people things to touch and feel and all these kind of things and actually being very positive about the experience that's what patients need to hear as well don't they not gloom because once you doom and gloom it then it turns (laughs) patients off and this is actually a treatment that patients are looking for cosmetically aren't they and to make them feel good so they don't want to come to your practice and go well i feel even worse now (laughs) And, and I think that's what this website does, this Smart Direct Club, isn't it? It looks very exciting. Yeah. yeah? And I think that's the bit that, you know, you need to look at it, don't you? And, and and get that excited feeling and go, how can we make that exciting in our practice? And when people are inquiring about this treatment, the reception team need to sound excited, don't they, Laura? Absolutely. Not, oh you're calling off that clip, oh yeah, you've seen that small direct club, have you? Oh yeah, we don't recommend you go there. <laughs> it's the way you say it, isn't it? And if you say it that way, then you are gonna t- and you are gonna send people to the small shop because they're gonna go, well, they're not giving that customer service. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. It's got to be turned around. It's got to be, oh, you've heard of Smart Direct yeah. Club. Well, that's great. Listen, yeah. to it. Would you like to know what we do? Because
1: we're so proud of what we Absolutely. offer. <laughs> and it's the same as whitening, don't we? We all know that, you know, as a dental industry, we don't like whitening products off the shelf, do we? We didn't like them in our practice. But it's about, you know, making it exciting and not poo-pooing what's going on and just going, you know what, let us tell you about our amazing experience, what we can do for you. Um, and, you know, uh, we want to take you on that exciting experience as well. So yeah, exactly yeah. like
0: saying say in uh, treatment coordination, you know, we have a lot of practices that are delivering implants and <clears throat> the TCOs are really excited about their roles that they have. But and what I always say is never diss the denture. You know, you've got to make dentures exciting because sometimes people want what they can't afford. And if you can make your dentures that your dentist and technician create sound fantastic, then sometimes if that is the only solution for the patient, clinically or financially or both, at least you haven't put them down. You haven't dissed the dentures. You know, you should never diss a denture, you know, because, because you know, there are many benefits to them. So it's always making things from a non clinical front desk TCO point of
1: view sound positive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I yes. agree with that because my as you know um, my mum um, has had you know denture stabilization treatment and it's changed her life mm. you know and I went through all of that experience with her a few years ago and my mum's 72 and she loves her smile you yeah. know and it was full of problems and um, it was the experience that she went on to get her there that is so important and I think what we've got to do with like smart direct club is you have got to watch people that are coming out into the market because they are doing things excitingly and one of the things that happened straight away and it's a good tip for practices is is that obviously i've gone onto the website i filled out their form and you get an email pretty pretty quickly in fact it came in less than two minutes and it's and it then its words are congratulations you're a great candidate and to get started and it's got this great picture of a guy holding an aligner with a big smile on his face Mm. that generates more excitement so if your email is bland and boring and going, you know, do you know what I mean? And it doesn't generate any excitement. You've got to think about your image now, haven't you? And so many more practices are sending images as part of emails to keep the excitement, getting the branding through your emails, getting the branding right in your websites. to make it feel exciting and you know do you know what go on smile direct club start filling in your details and see what they're doing because i tell you what it will show you that that's why they're generating some press isn't it Mm. because it it looks simple yeah they've got nice videos and how it works and this that and the other and and that's what it's all about people want simple solutions they do Right
0: move on to some, some more solutions now. So hygienist. So we're looking at moving our hygienist um, onto an employed contract, currently self-employed. We're yet to have the discussion. Um, we want to put everything together so that we can meet and lay everything on the table so the hygienist can then make a decision as what they want to do. They are currently paid per hour, whether a patient attends or not, and we know this is not right. So we are going to offer a percentage for patients they see and treat or employment. Do you have any tips for us? So this is something that's happening a lot now. Um, I mean, you know, for a long time, uh, hygienists have been paid in that way and, you know, HMRC is not right. Self employment is you shouldn't know what you're going to earn each day. Um, but and a lot more hygienists are, are slowly being moved onto a percentage as well, which again is fantastic. That's really good. That's right. Um, but we are definitely noticing a shift and trend with our clients of moving hygienists onto employment, and there are so many benefits to that for the hygienist and for the practice, and ultimately for the patients as well and I think one of the consistent concerns with hygienists over the decades is that they've never been part of a team they've always come in they've seen their patients they've gone home sent an invoice and hygienists have felt left out owners and team members have felt that the hygienists weren't integrating and you know there's been that that's always been sort of simmering in the background. So I know things have progressed a lot and hygienists are definitely integrating in teams now, which is just amazing because their role is absolutely fantastic. But so many more practices are moving hygienists onto employment. Yes, the hourly rate is much lower because you've got to allow for all the costs associated to the business, including holiday including national insurance pension contribution there are so many costs that you've now got to consume so the hourly rate where it might have been 35 pounds an hour once you work backwards with your accountant it might come out at 26 pounds an hour but that hygienist is then paid 26 pounds an hour for every hour they are contracted to work but every holiday they're still paid Or courses that you want to do in the practice. This is again another problem, isn't it? That hygienists don't attend because they're not getting paid. Or how much are they going to get paid? And the practice doesn't want to pay them the full rate and it goes on and on, as you know. So they will be there because they're employed. Morning huddles, a practice I was in just yesterday, uh, going through their morning huddle. And I asked the question, are the hygienists here at eight o'clock for the huddle? No was the answer Uh, how can we get them to do that well you know if they're employed and it's part of their contracted hours then they will be there for that so i would definitely say for me employing your good hygienists, people that are part of your brand that are in your team that are you know all about everything you are clinically then definitely should be having a conversation with them about employment but get all your facts and figures straight first get all the benefits down on paper, get the accountants to work backwards and make it really clear. And then what you've got to have and you've got to be prepared for is the contract because they're going to want to see an employed contract. They're going to want to go through that and they're going to want to ask lots of questions. So there's many things you need to make sure are in there. So I'll hand over to Mike now because I'm running out of steam. And Mike, we've also been asked questions about, which we can link into contract here, um, from a practical manager has discovered that a nurse they use over the summer um, which they use a lot for big holiday times like particularly school holidays um, as a sort of locum but they found out basically she's self-employed and this practice manager is saying i know this isn't right how do we get around this in the future because they don't want her to be self-employed so we can link that into contracts and that there so over to you michael
1: <laughs> yeah so with that, it's, it's quite clear really, and the recommendations are quite strong in this area that obviously from an employment point of view, we, you have to have all the right documents in place to actually have nurses you know, uh, come into your practice. So unless they're from a locum agency that obviously has done all of those checks and you still need to do those checks, <clears throat> because you're paying an invoice to a locum agency, then that side of things are covered. But if they don't come from a logan agency and they're working in another practice and they're just guesting in your practice, then you cannot just have them in the practice under another arrangement, because there isn't one. So they have to be paid on a nil hours contract. And that is so that, you know, that is the right way of doing it. And that means that you can bring these nurses in as and when you want to, to cover holidays, to cover sickness, to cover even a maternity leave, or to cover sessions that, you, that the employee team don't do. So, you know, that might be late evenings, it might be weekend work, whatever it, whatever it is. But you have a nil hours contract. And with a nil hours contract, the, the important aspects of this are, one, GDPR and data protection, Mm -hmm. Secondly, that these nurses have to follow all the CQC regulations, yeah, and you've got to have, um, you've got to be able to manage them in that way, and you can't do that if they just come in, you know, ad hocly. And the really important thing as well is actually it's against the law to do it any (laughs) other way. So when you have an hours contract, what hour, whatever hours that somebody works for, so let's say it's 50 hours for an example, it means then that they get 12% of that as holiday. And that is something that is a law agreement that has to be uh, in place. It's 12.06% or something like that. Um, And that's a calculation that's needed. So you're unlikely to give holiday to this person that's coming in to support the business on a nil hours contract. But you will have to make that as an additional payment. And that's part and parcel of, you know, having a nil hours contract. And there really isn't any other option for you. You either employ them it's a nil hours contract which is employment but it's not for a set number of hours that's the only difference or they have to come from a local agency and that's it but you've got to do all your cross checks you know and that includes the dbs and the passport photograph and the indemnity and you know the gdc registration and a medical history form and all of the other things that you would normally do with an employed member of staff you would still do with the nil hours so it's You've almost got to do the same amount of work as you would with an employed person, but actually then you're not confirming how many hours that they're, they're needed in the business. And that's it. And one of the other things that I will say is, is that, you know, if you're doing it like that, you've got to be very clear as well with your Salary bandings as well. That if you are having nurses that come out and do hours with you, that they they slot into the salary bandings that you're currently using, and and not having increased amount of pay because mm-hmm. they come in ad hoc ad hoc ad hocly because you are going to pay your other nurses off. Yeah. Who are going to feel well? Okay, so I could have an allowance hours contract and earn more money. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's problems with a nil-hours contract because you're never guaranteed the hours, um, you know. But at the end of the day, you don't want nurses going, oh, actually, I could have a nil-hours contract for 30 hours exactly the same. Um, and I can say to you, I'm not available that day and I'm not coming in either because nil-hours contract work both ways, isn't it? You can say, yeah. go, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come in on Friday. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it because I'm on a nil-hours contract um, and vice versa. So you can't have that as a situation.
0: No. It, really it does cause a lot of disharmony in the team and i think you know and there there are also you know some independent locum nurses but they've set themselves up as proper businesses you know they're not just yes, basically it. doing it cash in hand which is what yeah, which is what, what you know that's what you've got to think of here this is cash in hand really um yeah. if they are not you know a a genuine business registered as self-employed and you know hats off to the nurses that do that by the way as independent locums fantastic um but you you will know from contacting them anyway they've got all the information for you i think one of the biggest concerns for me is always indemnity um yeah because especially if as you know we've experienced over many years some nurses do favours for other people don't they for other dentists that they know but what if they're under the indemnity of their practice owner in the practice they normally work in and they're coming to do you a favour where's the indemnity there so yeah it's definite cross-checking without a doubt and you know your contracts have to be watertight I think is a good word to use
1: yeah and I think other things to mention on contracts is holidays are a massive we get asked about holidays yeah All the time. It surprises me, um, it still surprises me the amount of contracts with dentists and hygienists and dental therapists that you are not putting holiday arrangements in properly. It it astounds me that dentists can just book days off, a week off within, you know in two weeks time and cancel loads of patients because they haven't got their acts together. That's not good management guys. You know, Mm. you've got to get that sorted. And you know, you've got to have an arrangement, how many weeks holiday, that you know they're having, um, and you need that in writing, and the, the notice period for that holiday, and we would recommend at least six months, and yeah. you know, and maybe you know five to six weeks across a year, and you've got to include um, CPD as part of that arrangement as well. And if, if you don't, then you're going to set yourselves up for a fall. And interestingly, on self-employed contracts as well, if a hygienist is having if you like, emergency holiday, like they're having a week off, like next week, or, um, you know, they're, they are sick. If you really bury down into a self-employed contract, they need to provide you with the cover. Yeah. Not the practice, do all the ringing round to find somebody to cover their shift. Yeah. That's employment. So, it, we, you know this is the one of the arguments within this self-employed area isn't it's it, coming on all the time that actually you are treating hygienists as they are employed you're giving them their instruments and practices supplying uniform shoes name badges um paying for them to go on courses uh, do you know what I mean paying them a specific hourly rate this is all employed Yeah. This is not self-employed. And this is the worry and why practices are going, do you know what? We just need to get on with it, don't we, and employ them because actually we really like them. Um, And actually we want to give them all these things. Mm Mm-hmm um and the other thing about self-employed which i think is really important as well is one of the reasons why i think there's, there's this changing point which i think is quite exciting as well is the use of dental therapy isn't it as well mm, and, using yeah. skills. and actually going <laughs> what do we pay for them to do an impression what do we pay for them to do photography what do we pay for them to do um a filling treatment what do we pay them to do a fissure ceiling what do we pay them to do a child and it's actually so much easier to go do you know what we just employ you we just send you whatever we want exactly and then you can just decide, as a dentist, um, what do I want to do less of? Or what what is there an opportunity for me to not do any further? And what can I start to give over to my other providers in the practice? And if you employ somebody, it's so much easier to do that, isn't it? Because That's you start to worry less about, well, how much do I give you? And then it shouldn't be about money, should it? It should no. be about paying somebody what they're worth and then going do you know what i want to utilize your skills you don't you know and it becomes more difficult doesn't it you know and which skills do you use more often things like that i mean as a manager you don't say well if you do more hr we're going to give you you know this much money and if you do more marketing you're going to get that and if you do more on the front desk i mean can you imagine that as an arrangement (laughs) a self-employed practice manager that goes well actually i've done you know, 20 hours of HR, you're being paid, you're definitely being charged more for that. Um,
0: I definitely think, you know, hygienists, that I've I've been lucky, I've always worked with um, great hygienists, and, you know, if they did have a gap in their diary, they would help out, and so, you know, is there anything we can do, that type of thing?
1: Yeah, well, you're lucky. Um,
0: But, yeah, I know, I'm lucky. If they're employed, then that is something you can... Automatically ask someone to support you with. You can go to your hygienist who's employed and say, "You just had this half an hour cancellation. You do this for me, whether it's an audit, whether it's this, whether it's that. Can you unpack some stock that's arrived? Whatever it is,
1: you can ask them to support you as well. So there's so. As you've said that, I think that's really important. The other thing that we're hearing a lot about lately is cultures and contracts, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that there's a divide between self-employed and employed and actually understanding what employment actually means and the culture surrounding that and the culture surrounding self-employment, which is totally different as well. I'm not advocating that the dentist is gonna be employed because you know, quite frankly, I think at this point, they're definitely not going to be. and, you know, there is a different uh, mindset for that. But cultures, if a hygienist is uh, self-employed and they haven't got a patient, what do they do? They walk out the practice sometimes and then go and do a bit of shopping or they go and sit in the, um, you know, the staff area and have a coffee and what have you. And invariably, the nurse follows them. Mm. Don't they got a nurse? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, but you know, it's sort yeah. of a, a culture, isn't it? Yeah. That actually, well, you're sitting down, so I'll sit down. Yeah, or distract staff. Yeah, come to the yeah. desk, have a chat. Oh, come to the desk, have a chat. We <laughs> talk about that a lot, don't we? You know, yeah. or oh, what's what's new with you? Because it's self-important. It's like, hang hang on a minute. I don't, I you know, I get paid to work at all of that hours, not yeah. have a chat with you because you haven't got a patient.
0: Yeah, and it's the same as mobile phones. You know, so oh. a lot of practices, the employed staff aren't allowed mobile phones. They've got to remain in lockers, which I agree with. But then, dentist, hygienist, therapist have their phones even in the surgery and they're using them and it's you know very difficult again isn't it
1: yeah so there's there's a lot of lot of here but I think our main message is isn't it that actually that you maybe have an opportunity to review what you're currently doing and see whether or not you know employing some of your hygienists would be Mm. a good idea obviously if they are difficult in the practice then you should be managing them it's very easy to go goodbye so maybe that's an hr conversation because we still need people to go i don't like my hygienist she's blah 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 blah," or or he um and you know at the end of the day if you are self-employed and that person isn't right for your business then please do something about it because you can happy days
0: (laughs) (laughs) right that's it we're gonna have to leave it there for this month's podcast we are going to be back in october final quarter of the year. Please send your questions through to us. And thank you ever so much for listening. Please do leave us a review if you're enjoying our podcast. Thank you and goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.